This is the Mostly NU Podcast. Welcome to the Mostly NU Podcast. Bryce here, joined by my brother Callum, recording just an hour after the big Northwestern win against Rucker. Finally, a, a more positive week for us, Northwestern securing the number two spot in the Big Ten tournament, finishing in a tie for second in the standings. Uh, a tough loss at home to start the win week, but things really got turned around for us with this Rucker win and just, I don't know, an incredible Sunday. We got all the wins that we needed to, but Let's get started first and take a look back at the Penn State game. Um, senior night for Northwestern, really good crowd, really just great turnout from the fans. 95% Northwestern fans, really loud, but not able to get it done. What were your thoughts on that one? Um, well, I mean, I think those were just, uh, at least in that game, it felt like two pretty evenly matched teams um, came down to the wire there. You know, Penn State really, really fighting in that game to uh, get into the NCAA tournament. So really fighting there, which is certainly a tough matchup for us. But when you speak about the crowd, um, just from a non-basketball perspective to see how good that crowd was, was really amazing. I remember during the Indiana game, you know, you could see the crowd shaking, the camera shaking when Indiana went on a run. <laughs> but this is the first time I was able to see that camera shake because Northwestern was going on a run there towards the end of the game um, after we made a basket late. Um, I mean, unfortunate result, uh, Cam Winter is quickly becoming a hero for Penn State. That Those were my main uh, broad takeaways from that game. Yeah, and I will say, just on the non-basketball related front as well, the senior night festivities, and they let Max shoot too. We can't, we got to mention that. They had a nice little video for it, but the videos they had for senior night, all really well done, just everything around the team in terms of what they put on social media, I think so. It's really quality, but they had some really nice videos. So just great to, to honor those guys. But then specifics for the game itself, you know, it was pretty back and forth. Penn State got pretty hot in those last 10 minutes from three. It felt like they were just making big shot after big shot to keep themselves in it, even when Brooks um, was hitting his big threes. I think that we ran into a pretty hot team. One thing I noticed is at the 9.36 mark of that game, we went small finally, something that I know people were talking about we might do. We brought Robbie in, stayed with that for about five minutes, and we were able to score. I think we scored about 10 points during that stretch, a five-minute stretch. And then we take him out. We bring in Titus, who I do think played well, but we bring in Titus and we score three points in the last five minutes. So just, I don't know, kind of questioning what Collins was doing there because that felt like a game where, Defense was probably going to be okay no matter who we put in. I mean, we hold Penn State to 61 in regulation, but, you know, we need to just find that offense. So just thought it was a bit odd that Collins abandoned the small lineup later in the game. Yeah, it's certainly something people have been questioning a lot sometimes, I think, especially magnified in the the, the three-game stretch there um, in losing, um, ending with Penn State. is It's the one thing that is sometimes been concerning for me, um, at least when we come down to these late scenarios, is the moving away from some of the general play calling that we have throughout the game. Like, I know Indiana, certainly we win that game on a great shot from Boo Booey. But the fact that there was no real play, I know Boo is hot and it's like the right decision. But to not see any play design or anything like this late in games and leading to stagnation in the offense uh, has been one of the tougher things that I see in the last few games and then highlighted by these close losses here down the stretch. 
Yeah, I think it's fine when it's, you know, the last possession of the game, right, to just run that ISO. But it started in overtime with, like, two minutes left. It started in regulation with a few minutes left, and that's when it just doesn't make sense to me, right? If you're holding for last shot, obviously it makes sense. You can ensure you get that last shot. You're not going to turn it over. But to start it a few possessions before the last one is really kind of frustrating to watch. Um, Didn't see as much of that in the Penn State game, or in the Rucker game, excuse me, which was good. One other player I want to call out from the Penn State game who played well despite the loss was Brooks. His three-point shot really got going, which is something we've seen come on in the last few weeks. Got a lift from him, three-point shooting as well as overall play against Rucker. But just his development is has been great to watch. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Brooks. Brooks's performance here has just been unreal. These last four, um, getting in double figures here in the last uh, couple of games. So seeing that growth from him throughout this season becoming the scorer that he was in high school and the scorer that we've always known that he can be, the increase in minutes uh, since the Drew Roper injury and being able to step up to the the call there, setting career highs here against Penn State and then coming back and putting up 16 at Rutgers. Seeing that confidence as we move in to the postseason will be key for us to keep that depth off the be- off the bench that I know we've been talking about here for the last few weeks, just keeping that momentum going here will be huge, huge for us as we move into the Big Ten tournament where you're going to need people to step up if you can keep that momentum going. Yeah, I think this transitions us well into the Rucker game. So with this one, I mean, we saw more of that bench production. We got 12 from Ty Berry. Um, as you just mentioned, Brooks was 16, and – Chase and Boo only combining for 22 points. Um, So just a third of our points, which is certainly below what they're usually at. So Big Matt as well had uh, 10 points. I think probably those were all dunks, if I'm remembering correctly, at least four dunks. So his offensive production, you know, if we can get tie shooting, certainly Brooks is someone who's proving maybe they're going to be a consistent scorer. You know, I think it really opens up things for us. Chase wasn't necessarily needing to shoot as much late in that Rucker game as he was in the first half because Brooks had it going. So just great to be able to kind of lift some of the weight off of Boo and Chase's shoulders when they don't have their shot going. Yeah, the this will be big coming up. And then just to speak on the Rutgers game and, and Matt Nicholson, that was amazing to see Boo and Matt attack that drop coverage that Rutgers likes to run and the ability for Big Matt to use his athleticism uh, to slip off those screens and get to that that alley-oop to the basket for a lot of really, really easy buckets there was was phenomenal to see, um, something that I don't think he would have been able to do at the start of this season, uh, something just that growth in his game, and for him to be able to take advantage, see a defense, and go to that was great to see today. Yeah, and you mentioned that athleticism. I think that is something that no one would peg Matt Nicholson as being athletic, but it's really true. I mean, He's really great at catching that ball, finding the basket, finishing those alley-oop dunks, and his defense, I think, speaks to his athleticism. Quick feet, obviously, has been able to defend some of the best centers in the Big Ten with his key performance against Edie, so he's really shown an improvement throughout the season, um, and it's impressive to watch for sure. Uh, this this game, I think it was exactly what we thought it was going to be. Uh, you know, low scoring, I think we said whoever gets to 60 is going to win this, uh, similar to the last game. And the defenses really showed out today from both teams, I will say. Ten steals for either team. Uh, I mean, unfortunate for us to have 17 turnovers, but we did it right back to them. 
So this is the kind of game that we want to do. We want to force teams into this kind of game. And I know this is the way that Rutgers want to play, wants to play. But if we can look to get these games ugly, get these games slow, moving forward, that's, that's going to be a huge key for us if we can keep that, that up throughout the year. Yeah, physical too. I mean, this game was really physical from the start. Um, they were not calling much to start the game, started to call a little more late. But I mean, even some of the press that Rucker was running started to hurt us a little bit at the end. But I mean, they were like double teaming in guys' grills. Calls were coming super late, but I'm all for it. I think that the more the ref swallow whistled, the more it's going to help us for sure. Yeah, and I thought it was so fun watching uh, Caleb McConnell and Chase Adige battle in that game. I mean, those are the two premier defenders in the Big Ten. You know, McConnell's able to get six steals from us. Uh, looked crazy. like I was watching. Looked like I was watching uh, Veronica Burton out there. <laughs> yeah, um, with how he was he was uh, flying around the court and getting to the basketball. But then Chase was able to return return the favor on the other side. The one stat that really stands out to me is a testament to how good our defense is and how it is just more than Chase. Then too, is that every player in our team got a steal? Chase and Nick Martinelli both had two. Uh, the rest had one. But that just goes to to show that the depth of our defense and how it's more than just a couple of guys making making a lot of plays for us. Yeah, I think that Tyberry is the guy that definitely stands out to me as someone who's improved his defense so much from where he was at a year ago. Definitely was somebody who would get exposed a little bit, but has really bought in and clearly gives his full intensity. He wants to be known as a good defender and could certainly see him next year being someone who is in that conversation for all Big Ten defensive team. He gets a lot of steals. He's just really sound um, keeping the ball in front of him. So impressed with his improvement over the year. And then I want to call it Nick Martinelli too, not just for his two steals, but played 18 minutes. So just had to play a big role, especially with Boo getting into foul trouble early. Boo didn't play a ton of this game, only 28 minutes. Obviously, usually he's up in the 39 40 minute mark so foul trouble limited him and Nick Martinelli was ready to step up which was great to see even though he did have a few plays where he looked a little out of sorts he had some big rebounds and uh just overall was pretty solid yeah the funny thing about Nick is he always plays with a it feels like a controlled chaos watching it it just feels like something is about to go south but most of the time it always manages to work itself out um only one turnover for him today and I've Felt like it could have been a few more there. But his ability to step up here late in the season is a catalyst for our run here in February and to the end of the season. Yeah, and I think what's helped us too so much on that run is what you talked about is just getting more activation from the bench. At the start of the year, definitely it was all Chase and Boo, but they are really starting to finally get that help. So good things to come. Hopefully the the bench and the other role players can kind of keep it up and start playing even better. Yeah, so I mean that was just a, an amazing win for us. And then I kind of want to move into, you know, being able to get that second seed in the Big Ten tournament. And just to speak to the testament of the chaos of the Big Ten, you know, going into this game, as we all know, we could have been the two seed or the nine seed. Um, just really, really crazy to be the last game of the season and to have that wide of a margin on, on where you're going to end. But I was listening to the the post game with with Andy Katz, talking to Chris Collins, and Katz goes, hey, like, what's been the success for you guys this year? How have you guys been able to get this second seed in the Big Ten tournament? I love Collins' response, just 
Well, we didn't listen to you guys. Um, certainly picked last and last or 13th in almost every single poll and media member um, across the country in the Big Ten. People that know Northwestern doubted them. Uh, just speaks volumes to this team, to Boo, to Chase, to Collins, the whole coaching staff, just how good of a job they've done this year, overcoming all the odds. No one thought they were going to be good sticking with it, fighting through it all the way to the very end. Yeah, and on that same thread, in that same post game, in that interview, but on the Big Ten show, Mike DeCourcy said, boo, he thinks in all of his years covering the Big Ten is someone who he's seen the most maturity from, not necessarily just in his skill set, but the way he plays, which I think is so true. I mean, for freshman year, sophomore, even junior year, boo, versus what we're seeing now, his ability to not force it. I saw maybe one force shot tonight when he really didn't have it going. But, you know, he's patient with it. He finally gets it going late. He finally hits those big shots still, just picking his moments. He's so composed out there and is really more of a leader on the team versus just um, a player who's following, trying to get his points. He's trying to lead the entire team and help everybody rise up. Yeah, I can just think about him, his freshman, sophomore year. Just he would make a lot of really good plays. You know, obviously, like every year against Michigan State, he would, you know, have like 30 points or something like that. Um but the maturity, the growth from him this year from where he was as a freshman is about as much growth as I've ever seen from a person at Northwestern. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think Chase, we've seen the same thing, especially on for him more so the defensive end than anything. He's talked a lot about it. The coaches have talked a lot about it. He plays a lot more sound defense. He doesn't gamble as much, um, but he's turned himself into a better defender. He rarely has foul trouble, which is shocking watching him. I mean feels like he gets his hand on a pass almost every possession or alters a pass almost every possession to to not have foul trouble with all that's really impressive but yeah I just want to get back to kind of what you started with you know just getting the two seed what it means to I think the players just to the program I mean we haven't had 12 conference wins ever the last time or that we had 12 conference wins maybe I think you said that we won the national championship um so just yeah people better not forget about that 1931 (laughs) national championship I will, I will fight to the day to make sure that people keep that relevant. We need a banner up in Welsh Ryan for that, but that's a battle for, for the off season, but um, just incredible. And uh, shout out to Derek Gregg for not abandoning ship with Chris Collins. And uh, Chris knew he had a lot of haters. He talks about it all the time. He says at pretty much every press conference to the media, hey, you guys picked me to finish last. So just, I mean, in, in Sunday, I think was like a, recap of the whole season for us we needed we didn't need every single one of these wins to happen but these were the four best wins for us there was maybe one or two other situations where we could get the two seed but we get the four wins that were best for us including you know nebraska getting that win at iowa which is just incredible and uh it's just a magical sunday with a ton of really good games and our game was somehow the least stressful at the end the other games were uh, a lot closer a lot more hard fought at the end, but we were able to pull away and just an incredible slate of basketball games all around today for us in the Big Ten. Yeah, it was the uh, biggest day, I'd say, in, in the Big Ten this year, at least mm-hmm. from uh, we, well, I guess I say this every week, you know, we're finally going to see some separation <laughs> this week. Well, I mean, it's what, all separated by a game <laughs> other than Purdue and then the bottom four. Um but at least, you know, you're finally able to come away with a bracket in all these just amazing games. I think today was a perfect 
representation of Big Ten basketball, uh, how deep it is. I will say, I feel like today and a lot of these days, it's not that necessarily we have the highest ceiling of any conference. We're not rolling around with a bunch of two, three, four seeds. But it's about every single night you're playing against a a six seed, a seven seed, an eight seed, a nine seed, a ten seed. And that's the stuff that really wears you down. That's the stuff that playing a tournament team almost every night is is just a slugfest. This isn't, you know, the Pac twelve that has, you know, two teams in the tournament. This is this is a brutal conference. Yeah, and that's why I know people get mad. They say, oh, there's way too many Big Ten teams in the tournament. Um, maybe there are a few too many, but I think that is what is so tough about the Big Ten. And honestly, I think that's why some Big Ten teams struggle sometimes in the tournament. I mean, the regular season is just such a grind. I mean, every game, like you said, even Nebraska this year, they get up to nine wins, I think it was. So there's, I mean, except Minnesota, there's no off days. I mean, you go play Ohio State, you're playing up against Bryce Sensabaugh, and that's one of the worst teams in the conference, and that's a guy who's going to be drafted in the first round as a freshman. So the talent levels around the conference are really high. The just way the Big Ten plays really physical, it's just tough, and it takes its toll on teams for sure. Yeah, I think we can go um, kind of around the Big Ten here to look at some of the bigger games from the the last week, um, kind of before we get into some uh, Big Ten tournament previews and some of our postseason awards here, uh, if you want to get us started. Yeah, I think so. We can save Sunday as a, for the end because Sunday you could spend an hour talking about that. But I think the games before this final day for me, the big ones that stand out is Iowa just taking Indiana to the woodshed at home. I really thought that Indiana was in a good spot um, after beating Purdue for the second time. But, you know, I was a team that can really come out hot and Indiana maybe still riding that high a little too much from Purdue. And that one shocked me for sure. And then the other two is just Ohio State beating Illinois and Maryland. So those wins certainly helped us keep our chances for second place in the Big Ten. So thank you to Ohio State for getting those wins that meant nothing to their season. But it was big for us, but th- those were the games that stood out for me. What about you? Um, well, I, I'll, I'll start with what I thought was the game of the week in the Big Ten, and that was Illinois-Michigan uh, on Thursday night. That was just uh, an unreal game. Um, Matthew Meyer, you know, coming off of his, I think the funniest story of the year, his five monster energies after the loss to Ohio State, and then getting caffeine poisoning, which meant he didn't practice for, I think, a day or two there. And then also comes out after the Ohio State game with a mullet, so really living the the American dream there. <laughs> um, but then that double overtime game, you know, he's able to score 24, uh, eight points in, in the second overtime, I think it was, and the battle with Dickinson with 31, just an all-around great game in double OT, you know, Illinois would make a little run. Michigan would come back kind of there in the second half. So it was a really fun one to see. And then one of the other big games I would say is, is Michigan state finally cooling down Nebraska after their big win streak. And then Purdue uh, wins a, a slug fest uh, in the coal center up in Wisconsin uh, to finally get in the, the winning column. Looking at Sunday kind of on its own, I think just going through game by game, starting with the Penn State game, I mean, (laughs) for anyone that didn't watch, Penn State was down probably 10 points for most of the second half, and then at about the 
three or four minute mark, they really turn it on. They hit some big shots. And then again, I can't think of the player's name, but the same player who hit the game winner against us gets it done for them on a Cam offensive winter. rebound, puts it up. Yep. Winter as time expires. That's for Penn state to secure themselves a spot in the tournament. Most likely without it, probably not. So just a really awesome win. You know, you love to see it. I know we both like Micah Shrewsbury a lot and he was really emotional after the game. So I was just jacked up to see that for Penn state. Yeah, Penn State going into the day, last four in, according to Joe Lunardi and Bracketology, so uh, a must-win for them in that game. So to pick it up in that fashion uh, is just awesome. I know I want to see Jalen Pickett uh, come March. I think that's a team that can really do a lot of damage. That If you're looking at uh, every year, there's a 10-seed, 11-seed from a power conference that gets to the Sweet 16 that's a team certainly that can get hot just in the way they play. If if they start shooting from three, not not a lot of teams can stop them. Yeah, and of course, just having Jalen Pickett, you always have a chance. Whatever you have, probably the best player on the floor, almost no matter who you're playing, right? Um, you always like your chances there. And then onto the Purdue Illinois game, another one where it looked like Purdue was going to run away, but Illinois, you got to hand it to them. I know they didn't get the win, but really showed a lot of really good fight late in that game. Played with a lot of energy. The defensive intensity really, really ratcheted it up. So I was impressed to see that from them to stay engaged at Mackey with Purdue having just a fantastic first half. Yeah, and I was so after the game they came out with a little plus minus from I forget which which Twitter account does that after a lot of games, but they'll post the plus minus uh, on the court from players. And I was very shocked to see that I've not always been too positive on Coleman Hawkins. I know you're a big Coleman Hawkins guy, but I never thought he was that great. And to see that he was plus 13 in that game, the only person for Illinois that had a positive plus minus in that game was really shocking to me. And I guess is proof of why Underwood is playing him so much uh, that I was kind of shocked by. Yeah, I think, and I noticed it in that game, his decision-making was a lot better than it has been in some games, and I think it's gotten better over the years. But he, on several occasions, does what I don't understand why he doesn't do more, but he pump-faked his three instead of taking his contested three, and he's got Edie out on him all the way up at the top of the key, so he's easily able to blow by Edie, and then he had options to dump it away um, or to shoot in the post so that is the Coleman Hawkins Illinois wants to see and he could be a really deadly player if he plays like that certainly someone that's got NBA potential with just his body type and his ability to shoot if he needs to but showed great decision making in that game and then moving on Nebraska another one just the story of Nebraska I think for me is awesome to rally when they had such a slow start lose some guys with injury Tomonaga kind of the story in this month of February for Nebraska they had Greasel start playing well, um, Hoiberg as well, playing well recently. So everybody's stepping up for them and to win it at Carver-Hawkeye on senior night's really tough, so impressive win for sure. Yeah, that's uh, that's really uh, impressive one. I, I saw, you know, Nebraska not too great in, in football or basketball this year, um, but was able to spoil the spe- senior nights at Iowa uh, <laughs> for both football and basketball this year. But then a big game, looking at the tournament, just as the Penn State game was big. We weren't able to watch it, obviously. We were focused on the Northwestern game. But for Wisconsin, who is 
the another team in the last four in for Joe Lenardi. And they're able to, you know, from the box score at least, didn't really watch the game, but, you know, down seven in that, that first half, but able to storm back in the second half and pick up a a must, must, must win for them. A loss to Minnesota would certainly ruin their tournament chances without something magical in the Big Ten tournament. So really big win for them. And then that, that Indiana-Michigan game was just great bigs just going at it. Just a really, really good game there. Yeah, the Indiana-Michigan game had it all really exciting all the way throughout. Um, wasn't so much of a comeback as some of the other ones. Indiana did, I guess, have a little bit of a comeback there in the second half, but just really high level of play. A different game. You'd think it's a different sport watching that and then watching the Northwestern Rucker game. But got to give shout-out to Miller Cobb. Hit a big shot in overtime. I know Cam was pretty disappointed about that one, but uh, it was it was fun to see for uh, him to have that shot. Yeah, that was uh, it was a good shot. You know, I'm not the biggest Miller Cop fan, <laughs> but how how crazy would that have been if uh, Trace Jackson Davis had made that three that half court shot? I think everyone in the building, I thought it was going in. He thought it was going in. <laughs> that would have been one of the. I think that would have been the greatest end to a senior night in college <laughs> basketball history, yeah. especially for a guy like yeah. that uh, being one of the best players to ever play at Indiana honestly if he was able to hit a half quarter that would have been for what he's meant to that program and that was his first attempted three on the whole season so it would have been a fitting end to a an amazing career he's had at Indiana anything else here you want to throw in on some of these games before we dive into taking a preview of the Big Ten tournament bracket Uh, I think that's about all just an amazing regular season and I know in the, the next week we'll see once again, just like on Sunday, just how amazing this conference is. The the basketball that, that'll be shown will be so fun to watch. It'll be ugly per usual, but it'll it'll be fun. Yeah, a lot of good games here in the Big Ten tournament. So let's go through it here. Um, we'll run through all the games first and then uh, towards the end of this, we'll focus on Northwestern's matchups and how we think we'll we'll fare in those, maybe make some predictions for some of these other games as well. So the first game of the tournament on Wednesday, the 13-12, Ohio State-Wisconsin. I think that, I don't know, we talked about this a little bit before we started. I'm not sure how much the committee factors these games in, um, these postseason-esque games, but certainly Wisconsin, a bubble team, a loss to Ohio State could hurt them. Um, not sure your thoughts on that. Yeah, and that's not a team I'd want to play if I'm Wisconsin. No. Having to play, I mean, losing the the draw there to Nebraska, really killer for them at this point in the season. Ohio State winning two of the last three, maybe finally figuring out something um, with their team, uh, you know. But just having the pure talent that Ohio State has and having to go up against that is really a tough matchup for Wisconsin, who is. You know, not the most athletic team or anything like that. So having to go up against Bryce Sensabaugh, Justice Suing, all those guys will be a challenge for them in a, at least what I would say right now is a must-win scenario. Not, I mean, Joe Lenardi has them in their bracket, but uh, bracket matrix, which which takes into account all of the teams across the country or all the brackets across the country. It's pretty split on how many people have them in. They take into consideration 68 brackets, and they're in just 36 of them. 
uh, in those brackets would have been as of Sunday morning before their close win against Minnesota. So uh, feels like a must win for them on Wednesday of, of the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, certainly feels like it, and they need to treat it like one. Don't want to be sitting and waiting on Selection Sunday for that one. And then the second game we've got on Wednesday night after that is Minnesota against Nebraska. Minnesota 14, Nebraska the 11. Um, I don't really think it's going to be much of a game. Minnesota playing a little better lately, getting that win against Rucker. But I just don't see Nebraska losing this game. The way they're playing, they are certainly going to be hungry. Minnesota probably wants their season to be over, to be frank. I, I think Nebraska takes this one easily. Yeah, I think the way Tominaga is playing, the way they, the energy they have right now, that would be a, a big shock if if Minnesota could win that game. And then moving on to Thursday here, so the eight nine game, the winner of this one, the first game here on Thursday, will get Purdue um, for their second game. But this is nine seed Rucker against eight seed Michigan. By the way, love to see Michigan at the eight seed. They also had a chance at the two seed. I think they would have had it if they won against Indiana. So that is really beautiful to see. I would love to see Rucker win this game. I don't really feel that great about them winning, but to just ensure that Michigan's not going to make the tournament would be fantastic. Yeah, I think we can both agree in our dislike for Michigan. So that would be nice to see. Um, but this was the, I would say this is the best or most interesting game on the Thursday of the Big Ten tournament. Most implications for the game. Rutgers obviously really, really been falling as the season's gone on. Right now, they their last four buys for Joe Lenardi. So you have to imagine with the loss, they've they've moved to the last four in. So a, a really, really big bubble bubble game for them. And then same goes with Michigan. Their next four out, you have to imagine they've slipped a little bit with a loss to Indiana, but it's a high loss. Um, but Michigan will need more than just a win against Rutger. They'll need to beat Purdue and then most likely make their way to the championship game to be in consideration on Selection Sunday. But that's the thing when you come down to these tournaments, huge, huge uh, tournament implications for some of these games. Not necessarily for wins, but also for, for losses here, like like in the Wisconsin game. Absolutely. For these teams, it's a bubble, but for some teams, just seeding is important as well. And it'll be a great matchup just to get uh, Cliff Amarui against Hunter Dickinson, two of the top centers in the conference. That'll be a really fun one to watch. So definitely looking forward to that game. And then the game after that um, on Thursday is going to be the winner of Ohio State-Wisconsin against Iowa. For Iowa... They know they're in the tournament for sure, but certainly you just don't want to end your season um, or end the Big Ten tournament with a loss to such a, a lower seed. I think that, you know, I was playing well. They did have that loss to Nebraska at home, but Nebraska's a good team. I don't really see Iowa having too much trouble with Ohio State or Wisconsin. If I'm then I, them, I probably want to get Wisconsin just because the way Iowa plays so fast-paced. It's just going to match up really well against Wisconsin, and like we've said, a number of times this year, you don't really want to play Ohio State just because they can kind of go off on you, and maybe some of those players will have a little fire to make a run here because they know they're talented, but don't think that I will have any trouble with Wisconsin. But maybe this is just me. Just I personally, if I'm any team in the Big Ten, I would much, much rather play a lot of teams than I would Ohio State. Just that team knowing the talent they have, and I already talked about this, is really scary. So that's a team that I think, especially with a fresh slate, 
you know, obviously they do have to win five games, which is a heck of a task. But just knowing that, hey, if we get hot right now, we can be playing in March. Playing a team when they know that is really scary to me and a team that I would not want to be facing in the second round um, if they, you know, get a nice win against Wisconsin. Just a, a scary team to me that I think has a chance to pull off an upset against Iowa if they're able to 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 beat Wisconsin. Yeah, and I think this year more than ever, it's there's the possibility for some of these lower seeds to make a run, possibly just with like we've seen every week, all the games. You know, it's it feels like every game's a coin flip, no matter who's playing. So always tough to say. And then moving on here, we've got. 10 seed Penn State playing 7 seed Illinois here again on Thursday. This will be a really interesting game to watch. I don't think Penn State needs the win, but just two kind of interesting teams. Penn State on their own, really interesting. Illinois, like we've talked before, you don't know what you're going to get. So curious your thoughts on this matchup. This will be a really fun one. A lot different than the Rutgers-Michigan game. Uh, Pace will be quick in this one. A lot of threes. Both both teams love to shoot the three ball. Penn State obviously notoriously does it. Illinois shoots it a lot, not at as high of a clip. But this game will be, I would say, probably the least Big Ten-esque game that you'll see uh, with the pace, with the amount of threes. Um, but I, I think this will be just such a coin flip of a game. Um, I imagine the the spread on this game will be within a a point or two. Um, To me, two pretty equally matched teams. Uh, I know, I think earlier in the year, they they gave us a pretty good matchup um, after Penn State was able to really take it to Illinois earlier in the year. So of these two teams, is there one? So winner of this game gets Northwestern. Is there one or the other you'd rather play you think we match up better to? I mean, it's really, really, really close. It's, you know, we were able to beat Illinois, but that's so long ago now that how much weight does that bear anymore? Um, It's tough to really say. And then Penn State, you know, we're able to win a, or not win, lose a close one to them. I, I think I would rather have Penn State in this one. I know they're hot right now, but to me, I think with the matchup, I think I would rather have Penn State in this one. Yeah, I think I'd rather have Penn State as well. I just think that Illinois, and they showed it in that second half of the Purdue game, You know, they got that win against Michigan. I think that they are really starting to play well. Terrence Shannon, I've really liked the way he's playing lately, playing with a lot of intensity. Um, I always like the way Matthew Myers playing. We mentioned Coleman Hawkins. So I just think they have a lot of guys that it's clicking for right now. So I would rather see Penn State. But, you know, we do, on the flip side, have a lot of success against Illinois at home. We take it to them pretty badly. We beat win by 13. Uh, no contest really at the end. And then we go at Illinois. Obviously, we know what happened in the second half, but still have that great first half and you know, maybe the guys want a bit of revenge, so um, kind of pick your poison there. Um, both teams can move the ball fast and play up tempo, so definitely going to be getting that type of matchup either way. And then, yeah, or well, ahead. the one other thing I want to touch on with <clears throat> this game, at least if if Northwestern ends up playing Illinois on Friday, is that one consideration you have to remember 
is the fan bases that Penn State would bring versus the fan base that Illinois would bring. I know we've been really good on the road this year, you know, winning at the rack and all, but just something to keep in mind that you would essentially be playing a road game if you were to be playing Illinois. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. It will be full of Illinois fans. It helps a little bit, actually, that Indiana is playing in the uh, game after us on Friday. So then Indiana fans certainly will be a ton of them there. And I don't know who they're going to root for in that one, but just helps drive the price up. Maybe it keeps Illinois fans out. But yeah, if it's Illinois, Northwestern, Indiana all in that second session Friday, that will probably be an expensive ticket, unfortunately. Um, But yeah, a lot of Illinois fans certainly could be a factor in that one. Yeah, and then I think we can move on to here then. Maryland will be playing either Minnesota or most likely then Nebraska in what I think will be a pretty exciting game, assuming it is Nebraska that's able to take down Minnesota. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see how... I think Maryland is one of the more athletic teams in the Big Ten. Uh, playing... They were playing really hot until they lose these these last two to Ohio State and Penn State. Not really the way they want to end the season. But then with Nebraska being so hot, this will be the first test for them in the Big Ten tournament to see if they can make some bigger run. Uh, so this would be one of the, the, the more intriguing games to me. Yeah, and it's been talked about a lot this season, just how Maryland has went undefeated home 10 and 0 right and they win one road game all season in the Big 10 and I believe it was against Minnesota so essentially they don't win a road game all season. I think maybe they win their Thursday game just because they do have more talented players than Nebraska but I would be stunned to see them get past Indiana. I just do not see I think Nebraska has a better chance of getting past Indiana than Maryland does. I don't see Maryland being able to make much of a run in this Big Ten tournament. I'm not confident in them at all for the NCAA tournament either. I just do not think that they've shown enough being able to do anything on the road. They can only win at home. Neutral site is going to be tough for them as well. I mean, playing Indiana, if they win their first game in the quarterfinal, it's going to be you know, an Indiana home game, essentially. The Indiana fans are going to turn out, so it'll be tough for them. Yeah, it, it will be. Um, you know, Maryland not being able to win away from home. It'll be interesting to see if maybe they fix that. Maybe they'll be better at a neutral site. I don't know how they did early in the year at their neutral site games. But then I have a, a, a question for for you about Nebraska. Do you think there's any chance that there could be a Cinderella team in this year's Big Ten tournament? I don't think we've really had a team, say, win the Big Ten championship that wasn't going to be in the tournament prior to the Big Ten tournament. Do you think there's any chance that you know, a hot Nebraska team could maybe do that. I think they have, you know, the more favorable side of the bracket, in my opinion. Um, I don't know if, if you have any thoughts on that. I think their matchups are pretty favorable. I would feel pretty confident as a Nebraska fan in their first two games, even getting Indiana. Um, they could take their shot at Indiana, but I just think the fact, the way that the bracket is structured, them having to play five games to win, I just cannot see them winning the tournament I could see them getting to the semifinals maybe to the championship game semifinals I wouldn't be that surprised by a championship game I would be but I just think it's too tough to have to play so many more games you're getting fresh Indiana and you've just played back-to-back games and as we said Big Ten games are physical these will be tough games um so unless they can get big wins maybe 
to conserve themselves. I just think it's too tough to get five games in a row in five days. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. The the five games in five days is is one of the the biggest grinds that you have in sports yeah. and why I think you never see this really happen. I know, I mean, Georgetown was able to do it, but other than that, I think Georgia Tech or Georgia did it back in the day in the SEC. But with five games, you know, if they were able to slide into a 10 seed, maybe you'd think they had a chance at this. But being the 11 seed, it'll be probably just a little little too tough to overcome. But um, certainly it would be fun to see them get to, if they could get to Friday or if they could get to Saturday, that'd be that would be a really fun story for them. It uh, would be an awesome way for them to end the year. Yep, definitely. And then moving back up here to these Friday games. So we've got Purdue as the one seed on Friday morning playing the winner of Michigan or Rucker. What are your thoughts on how Purdue is going to be able to kind of perform in the Big Ten tournament, this matchup in particular? Well, these are teams that Purdue struggled with this year. Um Won a close one against Michigan on the road. Lost at home to Rutgers. So teams that they have struggled with this year. I think it'll be uh, interesting to see here. You know, people always like to talk about, hey, can a team get hot? Because at the end of the day, I think there's really just, I don't even know if any team from the Big Ten can win the national championship. But if there is, it's it's a team that's that resides in Indiana, whether that be Purdue or IU. In my opinion, those would be the two teams that have a fighting chance for that. So I think if they could put together three wins here, um, it would be just something to look out for. Uh, come March, maybe this is when they get hot playing on a neutral site. Maybe it'll be better for them. Who knows? But but certainly moving into March, watching Purdue, IU, uh, those teams that we have that are actually contenders in the Big Ten will be interesting to watch. Well, a little disrespect for Northwestern there, but uh, I guess I'll just let that slide. I mean, Northwestern 3-0 and against teams you mentioned. Certainly we're in that same bucket, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, I think that Purdue probably struggles here um, in this first one. I think that if it's Rucker, it's not a favorable matchup to them. If Rucker can find any semblance of an offense, I think that Purdue will struggle with Rucker's defensive intensity. Um, their guards have struggled with turnovers. ED has struggled with turnovers. So I just think the way that Rucker swarms and plays so hard could really be tough for Purdue. So I'd probably, I'd probably want Michigan more if I was Purdue um, than Rucker. Yeah, I think Michigan's definitely the better matchup for them, especially with the majority of their offense coming from Hunter Dickinson. You have Edie that's able to match up mm-hmm. well with him, which is beneficial for them. And then obviously the athleticism, quickness, speed of Rutgers that would probably end up pressing for every made shot that they have. So they'd be pressing for a good chunk of that game, I would have to imagine, which has notoriously caused Purdue fits this season. So if I'm Purdue, I'm, I'm definitely hoping that, that Michigan can pull out that win. Then moving down to the next game of the day on Friday, a um, little harder to know who Michigan State's going to be playing in this one, but it's Michigan State as the fourth seed, and they're going to get the winner of the Iowa game, and Iowa could be playing Wisconsin or Ohio State. Interesting to see how Michigan State does here, um, see if they're kind of ready for March. I think Michigan State, in my opinion, sometimes it feels like maybe they're 
ranked a little too high. They get a lot of respect nationally. Maybe it's just because they are Michigan State, right? But haven't seen a ton for Michigan State that makes me think they can make a deep run. So wouldn't be too surprised to see Iowa be the team to kind of advance from this section. Yeah, Michigan State to me has been a really weird team. I just never really believed in them. I think in part because they don't have that guy is certainly a reason to for me to have some doubts about them. But as it's come down late in the year here with Tyson Walker uh, and A.J. Hogard really stepping up at the guard play, which is where, to me, they had always struggled. It felt like a lot of guys that were solid, but no one really made that step up. But to me, they've finally here been able to step up, uh, winning five of the last seven against really good competition here with wins against, you know, Maryland and Indiana. So this is a, a really interesting game if Michigan State plays Iowa. I think that'd be obviously the most exciting matchup, but an area where you could certainly see an Ohio State or Wisconsin get past Iowa and be playing for for that for, or that Saturday game in the tournament. Moving down here, we already touched on it. Just a reminder, so the Northwestern is that third game on Friday. We get the winner of Penn State, Illinois, and then following our game, Indiana is that three seed is going to take on Maryland, Nebraska, or Minnesota. Um, I expect Indiana, like I mentioned earlier, to probably advance here. Nebraska is the team I think that could give them the most trouble. Honestly, Indiana might have a hard time to me getting up for that Nebraska game just because they probably look down on Nebraska as an inferior team the way they started the season. Um, But as you mentioned, Indiana's going to have a ton of fans. They will certainly be jacked up um, by their fan base. So we'll be interesting again just for all these teams to see how they can perform on more of a neutral court, even though I know this is less neutral than the NCAA tournament, still just shooting in a different gym. Yeah, I mean, Indiana only played – they didn't play in a tournament this year or a Thanksgiving tournament. So they they played Arizona earlier in the year on a neutral site, but only one neutral site game for them in the non-conference. So it'll be, you know, just interesting to see how they play in, in more of a neutral environment. But then I think that Maryland-Indiana game would be so fun, you know, with Indiana having such a post presence, being – you know, not as more of a traditional Big Ten team, and then Maryland being a quicker guard-oriented team, lanky, they'll want to press. Um, that would be a really, really fun matchup to to see those teams. And then I do really agree with maybe Indiana looking down upon a Nebraska if if they're able to make it to Friday. All right, and then that's the preview of the games we know are going to happen. Obviously, games on Saturday and Sunday as well. Um, semifinal Saturday championship on Sunday. What are your predictions? So, you know, maybe give your winner, any other teams you expect to, to kind of make a bit of a run here? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, the big storyline will be Nebraska will be able to get to the semifinals here in the Big Ten tournament. Um, so I think that'll be the big upset for for the tournament. And then at the end of the day, I do think it'll be Purdue that comes out on top here in, in the tournament, especially with where they are um, in the bracket and who they get to play. If they're able to get by Rutgers or Michigan, being able to play, uh, whether it be Michigan State or Iowa or Ohio State, I think is a rather favorable draw for them, especially if they're able to get Michigan State. I know Edie was able to put up 
pretty pretty impressive numbers against them. And then it'll come down to to whoever comes out of that lower half of the bracket, which I do think Northwestern will have a really, really good shot of coming out of. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're able to see Purdue Northwestern in that Purdue Northwestern for that championship game, uh, which I think right now is the best chance of. Yeah, I think on, I agree with you on the Northwestern part of it. I think I'm honestly most worried about our first game against Penn State, Illinois. I mean, just combined one and two against those two teams. Indiana, I feel confident in. It's tough to beat a time, team three times, they say, but I mean, really played well against them both both meetings we saw home and away. So if we can win that first game on Friday, I feel good about our chances against Indiana advancing or if it's Maryland, I think that, that we'll, we'll match up well to them. But my biggest kind of prediction is that we see Purdue fall in that first game. I think that either Rucker or Michigan is going to give them a hard time. I think for sure it's going to be a close game and it's just going to be a matter of, like a lot of these games, who's playing best in the last five minutes. And I think that uh, Purdue has just shown that they've struggled a bit late in games, and those are two teams that I think are pretty quality. So that would be my prediction. We see Purdue as an early exit in this one. Anything else here on the Big Ten tournament before we move on to some of our postseason awards? Yeah, give it like a fun little, ah, it's award time, or not, I don't know. (laughs) We'll move on to our uh, end-of-season awards here. We did some traditional ones, but we also did some fun ones we threw in. So we'll get started here. Cal and I each have our own for each, some unanimous selections. But the first one we've got is, wait, he's that good. So essentially, this is for players that don't really seem like they're that good. Maybe a lot of people don't know about them, but really quality players for their teams. Uh, for this one, I had Philip Rebracha from Iowa. Cal put Cam Spencer for Rucker. Cal, why'd you put Cam Spencer for this one? I think to me it's the same thing with maybe it's just because I'm thinking of Pat Spencer where it's like he would have obviously been the winner in the year he was at Northwestern where I'm just like well it's he can't be that good right and especially in the season he wasn't that great and then he's able to hit a game winner against us a game winner against Purdue and just had some incredible games and I remember after our game when he goes six of seven from three I'm just thinking really this guy does this to us so that's why I had him. I agree with you. Yeah, I uh, I thought about Cam Spencer as well. I mean, going six of seven from three, and this is a guy I transferred in, and he's one of the best three point shooters in the Big Ten. Was not expecting it. I'm sure a lot of people barely know his name still, but really crucial piece for that Rucker team. And then I had Philip Rabracha just for the fact that I think he's a total unknown for Iowa and really anchors that team, provides them something else other than three point shooting, gives them offensive rebounding, which obviously leads to open threes. So I think he's a really big part of that Iowa team and has certainly slept on. I know a lot of people I know who watch a lot of Big Ten games didn't even know who he was when I was talking to them about him. The next award we've got, and I mean, this is just easiest decision I've ever had to make in my life. Coach of the year, unanimous selection from mostly on you. Chris Collins, you know, deserved it. He did what no one thought was possible, as we mentioned earlier, and with the same players, with less players than he had before. So that, to me, is what makes him coach of the year. Yeah, I think that's why it was a unanimous selection here. I was a little more caught up on it. I think uh, Matt Painter at Purdue's done an amazing job. You know, you know, they were picked similarly to Northwestern. You know, 
they go from projected sixth or seventh up to to first. But then I think taking a team that was near near the bottom of the Big Ten to the top is a lot more impressive than taking it to the middle to the clear top is why I put down Collins for for coach of the year. Yeah, and I think some people do get kind of frustrated because a lot of the times coach of the year is given to teams that improved a lot, but not necessarily teams that continue to have success. I doubt maybe Bill Self does get coach of the year every year in the Big 12, but I doubt he does, even though he's consistently putting together fantastic teams. But, you know, I think for Collins to get it done with just losing those two guys, losing Pete Nance, losing Ryan Young to top-tier programs, pretty awesome players as well, but just the turnaround and kind of every facet of of Northwesterners, I think what does it for me. And then we'll move on here to our next one. This is our all freshman team. So the five guys I had were Braden Smith from Purdue, Jet Howard from Michigan, Connor CGN from Wisconsin, Jalen Hood Shafino from Indiana, and then Bryce Sensabaugh from Ohio State. And all right, so me and Bryce were pretty similar on these. Uh, only difference we had is I had Fletcher Lawyer uh, to Bryce's Connor or to Connor Cesian. Uh, to me, I think part of it that plays into it is the level of team that they're on, at least when it comes down to these. Statistically, they're fairly similar. I know Fletcher hasn't been playing as well lately as Connor Asesian, but when you look at the whole body of work, how Fletcher was able to play uh, at the start of the year especially is something that really stood out to me as a true freshman when I don't think anyone thought he would be that good for how skinny and lanky he is. Yeah, I I think just kind of what you mentioned, the way that he ended the season is probably why I left him off the list for me. He's struggled a little, here, a little bit here lately, but, you know, typical for freshmen. But I think just a lot of really talented freshmen in the Big Ten this year, for sure. And then bouncing off that one, freshman of the year, for me it was Jalen Hood-Shafino. Um, Calm had Bryce Sensabaugh. I'll speak to Jalen Hood-Shafino. I just think what he's meant for Indiana, what he's done for that team, I mean – I think they struggle to make the tournament without him. He has put up clutch shots late. He's had 30-plus game performances. I mean, just incredible stuff to see from a freshman and not too many games in the last month or two where he's struggled a lot. Yeah, he has been insanely impressive, essentially single-handedly taking them to to Mackey Arena and taking down Purdue is one of the best performances that has been seen in the Big Ten this season. But for me, with Sensabaugh, the the stats at least, you know, averaging 18-something points per game is something that really stands out to me. For a freshman to be able to put up those numbers in the Big Ten, I know he's on a worse team, uh, but to me, that gap, it, it was a flip of a coin here on this. But it I, I, at the end of the day, had to go with Bryce Sensabaugh on this one. I think he is also just the more talented player at the end of the day than, than Chifino. And then moving on here to player of the year, another unanimous selection. I, on this one, had maybe a little more trouble than I think Calm would have, but Zach Eady, um, player of the year here. Calm, speak to, to why you put Zach a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he's been, he'll be the national player of the year by almost every single major news outlet. Uh, it did come down pretty close towards the end of the season to him and. Trace Jackson Davis, but when you look at his efficiency this season, his offensive rating, it is just astronomical. In At least on Ken Palm, he does the player of the year standings, which takes into account 
I would imagine efficiency, total numbers, uh, probably how good your team is, how much they win, all of these different factors to put together a rating for the best players in the country. In Zach Eady, as of right now, there's only been two players that have ever put up a higher uh, Ken Palm uh, Player of the Year rating, and that's Frank Kaminsky when he was able to lead Wisconsin to the Final Four, and then Russ Smith from Louisville uh, back when they were in the national championship. Um, so for me, seeing that, uh, seeing his dominance, his numbers, you know, 23 and 13, um, just a little better than, than Davis. Um, and then head to head, he, he also played better than Davis, uh, which is a big factor for why I was able to put him up above Edie. Yeah, I think for me, I was pretty torn. It was a tough pick. TJ Deer ED. I think if I look at the stats, just the raw numbers, not the efficiency, points and rebounds are pretty close, but TJD, more assists, um, less turnovers. I think he's got slightly more blocks. Um, a, a better defender than ED, certainly just because he's a little more mobile. But I think for me, the reason, even with that being said, I took ED is because ED, I think, has been able to carry the team more and it's just meant more to that team, Purdue being you know number one seed even though indiana has those two wins over them um and that's all because of zach Eady. you know at indiana tjd is surrounded by jalen hutchifino who i really think is the catalyst for that team he's got more veteran guys you know, miller cop and race thompson super veteran players in the league miller cop played the most ever big 10 games today so i think for me that's why zach Eady is the player of the year leads the team really well as, as a junior um, but certainly got closer than I was expecting it to. TJD had a really nice season and finally lived up, I think, to those expectations this year. Yeah, it, it, one of one of the best Big Ten seasons that we've seen in a while. And if there were anyone other than Zach Eady standing there next to him, he's he's winning Big Ten Player of the Year, without a doubt, and and probably um, right in the conversation still will be for for National Player of the Year. So incredible season for both those guys. But we'll move on here to. Our next two awards, and and we'll do these two at the same time, but uh, both unanimous selections here, Defensive Player of the Year and Comeback Player of the Year, and I think you can guess who that is, Chase Adige. Just, you know, take a moment here to honor, kind of respect the season he's had, defensively what he's done for this team individually, um, certainly a leader of this team on defense, and then to come back from injuries last year to struggle after having that good Sophomore season, his first year in Northwestern, high expectations, wasn't able to get it done. Um, but to come back from those injuries, just just really impressive and so happy to see it for Chase. You know, not a guy I want to succeed see succeed more in this team than Chase. Yeah, pretty easy for comeback comeback player of the year for me. But I will say it was a lot closer for the defensive player of the year conversation. Um, I mean, we saw today with chase going to battle with with caleb mcconnell and this is another award to me that's a flip of a coin um mcconnell has been doing putting up his numbers for a little longer which is i think at the end of the day why he will get the award also being on the better defensive team but the spark that chase adige gives to our defense is just just incredible um, in the year he's had the steals, the steal numbers that he's put up that have matched McConnell this year, um, and you know committing less fo- less fouls, uh, getting a few more blocks than McConnell, um, really speaks to how well Chase has been on the defensive end this year. It'll be interesting to see what the Big Ten uh, media and coaches select here for for this one. I uh, 
I'm not sure. I think that the way kind of the attention that Northwestern's gotten will help Chase, but but we'll see. Yeah, it'll be I think the interesting thing to me about just generally how the voting is done for this is when you see the coaches selections versus the media's selections. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, maybe the media takes McConnell just because of you know, he's been there for a while. They think he, you know, finally earns the award or whatever or gets it for a second time. Um, but it'll be interesting to see then who the, the media picks for that because I think that is a tougher one to decide. So now moving into the all-defensive team. So obviously I think we both have two obvious people that are on our all-defensive teams. Uh, for me, the all-defensive team, you know, you have Chase, Caleb McConnell, and then you have Zach Eady. Cam Spencer and Trace Jackson Davis, uh, Edie and TJD, I think clearly the best players on the interior. Not necessarily, I think Davis is able to get a few more blocks due to his athleticism, but for Edie, I think a lot of it doesn't necessarily show up on the score sheet, but he's just able to be a presence in the middle and forces a lot of players into some uncomfortable mid-range twos uh, defensively. And then Cam Spencer, you know, Averaging about three steals a game this year, just really impressive year. And then for for Bryce, he had Chase as well, Kale McConnell, Trey Jackson Davis, and, and Zach Eady. The one difference on this list being uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. Uh, in replacement of Cam Spencer, if you want to talk about that. Yeah, I think that uh, for me, the reason I went with Terrence Shannon Jr. is I think he's more of kind of like an explosive defender almost. He's got a higher ceiling. And the Purdue-Illinois game today was evidence of that really awesome chase down block he had on Braden Smith going up for a layup. I mean, Braden Smith was literally at the three-point line when Terrence Shannon was at half court and just a huge burst of speed, massive elevation to get that block. So I think that, for me, is the reason why I had Terrence Shannon on there. But Cam Spencer certainly had a great year as well defensively. Yeah, I, I think the the defense in the Big Ten – um, just so impressive. I think it starts with the game we saw today with Rutgers and Northwestern, um, but all around the conference, some just amazing, amazing defensive players um, all around, guards, bigs, just a tough league every night uh, trying to score the ball. Let's move on then to our next award, which is first team all Big Ten. So this was a unanimous selection, and I think for the people on this list, really there's no debate about and that's Zach Eady, um, T- Trace Jackson Davis, Jalen Pickett, and um, Chris Murray from Iowa. So the fifth player that we both had, which there's certainly some debate around, um, we both put Boo Booey. Um, maybe we're homers a little bit, but I just think the way Boo's carried this team late in the season, um, you saw it again with this Rucker game, pulled up with some clutch shots late. His performance against Illinois, even though it's a loss, goes kind of unnoticed. But I think Jameer Young has a case as well. So walk through your thoughts on this one, Cal. Yeah, I mean, to first say, Boo, I think he probably won't get the first team All-Big Ten selection um, just because I think there are players that have probably put up some better numbers. But overall, for what a player has meant to a team and how he's really led Northwestern late in the season here in that five-game win streak, uh, you know, today against Rutgers, as you said, I think he's just a very undervalued player. Obviously, there's some homerism there, um, but that's why I, I've got him there. And I think, I think the other four will all be on that that first team, all Big Ten, and then it'll 
be a pretty much toss up between um it was a toss up uh, close for me on Jameer Young and then Hunter Dickinson. I think I didn't put Hunter Dickinson on there just because I I don't like him that much if I'm being honest. Um but then Jameer Young and Jalen Pickett both have put up really really similar numbers. Uh, but for me, the difference there with Pickett is just how well he's able to pass the ball. In assist rate on Ken Palm, he is the second best numbers in the country. So that addition beyond just scoring is really what separates me, or what separates him from Jameer Young. So you mentioned um, Boo, you don't think really has too much of a shot at getting it for the media and the coaches, but I'll challenge you a little bit on that. I think that um, if you look at just points and assists, he's ahead of Jameer Young, who I think is his primary challenger. Hunter Dickinson probably doesn't get looked at for this just because they need to kind of balance out the positions. Um, I think if you look at best true point guard in the Big Ten, um, it is Boo Booey, Jalen Pickett. You consider him a point guard as well. They're kind of right there. Um, Jalen Pickett one, Boo Booey two. But um, I think Boo's got a really, really strong case. And Northwestern being the number two team in the conference and him being the leader of that team certainly helps his case. Yeah, I think it's a better chance for him to get it from the coach's perspective rather than the media. I think there are definitely still going to be some media people that still just view down upon Northwestern and just don't think we can have a all Big Ten first team player, which maybe I'm overthinking it, but just something that I think might be in the back of the mind of, of some of the media members selecting it. Certainly a possibility. We know that the media... Um, it's taken them a long time to come to grips with the fact that Northwestern is a good team this year. Moving on here to our second team, All Big Ten. Um, my list was Jameer Young, Chase, Terrence Shannon Jr., Jalen hood Shafino, and Cliff Amari. A bit more differences here uh, between Calum and I, but I'll kind of walk through my list a little bit. Um, Jameer Young, for all the reasons we just talked about before, he's right up there with Boo, um, so kind of the second-best point guard in the league, and then Chase, we know the story with Chase, his defense, the way he's helped turn this team around. And then I think Cliff Amaruyu will probably be one that not a lot of people have, maybe not as agreed with, but I think for me, his defense is what gives the nod for me over Hunter Dickinson, who Callum has in that center position here for the second team. I think that it's so easy for us for these all-conference awards to think, oh, these are just offensive awards, but You've got to look at other factors in that. And I think what Cliff has done defensively this year, really helping kind of be a base that Rutgers defense um, has been really impressive. And as we know, Rutgers is the top defense in the conference. Yeah, that is that is a, a fair point. Um, I still think it's tough to leave uh, Dickinson off. I think he'll be getting some votes for the first team. Um, I know probably some media members are looking more offensively, but you know he's able to put in, uh, I think it was, I think it was today or, the game before where he has, you know, 31 and 17, I think it was against Illinois, 31 and 17. Um, and defensively, he's able to do enough just with his size, um, similar to how ED does it. It's not necessarily that he is the greatest defender, but um, with his athleticism, he is able to step up, hedge some ball screens. Um, so I do think he's able to get it done defensively. And then the one other difference I have from yours, um, you know, my list is Jameer Young, Chase Audij, Terrence Shannon Jr., um, which is all the same as yours. And then I've I've got Hunter Dickinson and Tyson Walker. Um, and then for me, Tyson Walker, I think really towards the back half of the season, has really solidified himself as the true uh, leader of that Michigan State team. I think they've really stepped up late in the season, that team. I think I had a lot of doubts with them early. 
uh, in his guard play has been just phenomenal here as the season's gone on. His growth has been insanely impressive and has led Michigan State to that strong end of the season. Yeah, he's really picked it up late. I've been impressed with the way he's improving and potentially becoming someone that could lead uh, Michigan State through March. Uh, and then this week we have uh, just one listener question. Uh, it's from Darek from Seattle, and he's asking the three keys for Northwestern if they want to have a chance to win the Big Ten title. I think if we want to win the Big Ten title, three things that will be important for us. One, our three-point shooting. We need the offense to get going, and I think most realistically that's going to come from three-point shooting. So I think our three-point shooting needs to be on. We need guys like Ty to be hitting, Brooks to keep up his hot streak, and Robbie to get a little bit more involved. I think, two, this is kind of obvious, but our defense needs to stay strong. We need to stick to our fundamentals. We need to keep games low-scoring. We don't want to get into high-scoring, fast-paced games. We don't have too much of a bench anyway, so if we get exhausted in the first game, it's just going to make those other two games that more difficult. And then I think, three, we need to see Chase and Boo start to play a little bit more efficient, a little bit, a little bit better. I know we've been able to get some wins. We got this Rucker win without too much from Chase, but I think we need to start seeing them play back to that form they had just about a month ago when we really went on the the tear in the middle of the season there I think that that'll be a key not just for the Big Ten tournament but then also for March yeah I I agree with you on those Uh, to me I think one of the big keys will be from an individual perspective and that's Chase I think if he keeps playing how he has the last couple of weeks um, it'll be tough for us to string together more than one or two wins Um, so that'll be a big thing that I'm looking for um, another thing, it obviously de- depends on who you match up with, uh, but that will be our rebounding ability. I know we've gotten really good at this uh, down the stretch, so that will just be another thing for us to to keep our eye on uh, to make sure that we're doing well. Um, and then the third key for us, I think it's going to be the bench play um, with Brooks, with Nick, uh, Titus, those guys will really need to step up, especially when you're playing back-to-back-to-back games. If you're able to get to the championship, having that bench depth is a massive key to this. So if Brooks can keep playing like he's playing, if Nick Martinelli can st- keep stepping up, um, those will be the biggest keys, I think, for us if we are able to, if we want to make a run at the, the championship and cut down the nets for the first time. I think what you mentioned, too, with the bench is just so important with managing the minutes, you know, it's tough to play three games in three days, and when you've got guys like Chase and Boo who are playing 40 minutes a game, uh, it's even tougher for them to stay fresh. So certainly something to monitor. And even as we get here into the NCAA tournament, you know, if this is a team that wants to go to Sweet 16, um, those are going to be hard-fought games each and every time. So just making sure we can get some rest for our guys when possible. Anything else you want to add in here, Callum, before we wrap up today's episode? That's all I've got. I think uh, just a exciting week here. I th- the first, the second time we've ever gone in the Big Ten tournament, just comfortable. Um, so it'll be a big week for us. Hopefully, uh, move on up in the seeding. Hopefully, we can get up to a, a six seed. Um, maybe even uh, really advance in the tournament and maybe move up to the five line. But that that feels a little optimistic. But just. I think we can. I can speak a little here, just on the the regular season. Just what a season it's been. Just you know, recap. Just finishing up this, and who would have thought? You know, when we started 
at least for us doing this podcast where we were in January thinking about, you know, the games against Pittsburgh and all this um, to be where we are now is just unreal. I don't think neither of us thought we were going to be here right now, but what a what a season it's been. Yeah, and I think that I in particular have a lot more optimism about Northwestern than most people, but I couldn't have dreamed of a second place finish. So just uh, incredible stuff. And you mentioned that Pittsburgh game. Just thinking back to that game, you know, the way that people felt about the team after that brutal loss at home and to come back, just the resiliency of this team. I think the Big Ten tournament's really just a bonus for us at this point. You know, the NCAA tournament is the focus kind of on the rest of the season. If we get a win, great. If we make a little run, great. If we don't, um, we'll be getting ready for that first round game and, and hoping to make a run in March. But uh, incredible season. Can't can't take it for granted, that's for sure. Thanks for listening to the Mostly NU podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, rate, and share with your fellow Northwestern and Big Ten fans. Follow us on Twitter at MostlyNU and let us know what you think. Thanks to our music editor, Carson, and graphic designer, Jameson. Want to give a, an even bigger shout-out than usual to our graphic designer, Jameson, this week. She uh, put together quite a few graphics that uh, will be posted on Twitter in the coming days um, for those postseason awards. So really appreciate that from her. And as always, go Cats.